Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your latest instalment of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, hosted by myself, Craig Gray, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by the fans, and as always, all of our content is free. You can get us over at the website at jersnet.co.uk with the forum, articles, and on Twitter at Jersnet Online um, as well. Um, this is going to be our mid-season review today, and before we get into it, just want to give a message from our sponsors, that's Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. We're absolutely delighted that they're backing our pod. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. For information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Um, just before we go into um, the nitty-gritty of the, the mid-season review, um, obviously a bit of breaking news earlier about um, Dapo Mabudi, the former uh, Rangers youth player, um, very sadly been involved in a, an accident over in Belgium. So um, we heard earlier the news that he's had successful surgery, which is obviously a real positive to hear. And um, we really do hope that he's going to be all right. Obviously, if the surgery's been successful, that's really positive news from from, you know, earlier when we weren't really hearing anything. So um, everyone here at Jersnet certainly sends our best wishes to Dapo and hope that he can fully recover from that incident earlier. Um, but um, we can move on as well and we'll um, go right into the podcast. So um, I need to introduce my guests as well. Um, Rob Fawcett, how are you doing? Happy New Year, sir. How was the, the festive period for you? It was good, mate. It was good. Um, I just nice to get a break for work, um, relax with the family, and uh, drink and eat too much. So yeah, fitness starts now, as they say. We'll see how it goes. Have a year to you as well. <laughs> good luck with that. Uh, and Stuart, Stuart, we are good to be back on with you, Stuart. Same question to you. How was your Christmas period? Uh, quiet as it always is. <laughs> um, who knew that? Who knew that Stonehouse Bowling Club was the epicenter of the world's New Year celebrations? Um, but no, thoroughly enjoyable time, time off work, um, as we heard there from, from Robert, you know, a time to eat, drink and be merry and then stand in the scales um, and, and worry, you know, I now find myself wasting away into a prop forward. So, but a happy new year to everyone and everybody out there who tunes in to Jersnet. No, absolutely. Um no, but obviously um, we've had a, a pretty big couple of weeks um, since we've been away. Obviously, Alec Anderson's been absolutely fantastic uh, with his pods um, before and after the, the Celtic and the Colmarnock games and, and whatnot. Um, but we need to dive right into the Celtic game. And I don't really want to go over the game too much because I think, you know, we've kind of been there and done it. Everybody knows what happened. Um, it's more about the sort of developing story um, and, you know, um, arguments between the SFA and Rangers. Obviously, um, we know um, during the game that there was a clear handball from Alistair Johnson. Um, Walsh missed it. Varsina had a look back at it. And um, Willie Collum obviously thought it wasn't a penalty. Um, what I think's happened from there is Nick Walsh has went in at half-time. He's had a look at it and he's been absolutely raging with Willie Collum, which according to all reports is kind of what happened, that's what we're told what's happened, it was probably raging with him um, it seems as if 
VAR and Willie Collum have read respectively then look back at it after realising they made a monumental error and mistake and went, oh, how can we find a way to make sure that this wasn't a penalty without saying that I just thought it wasn't a penalty? Um, and luckily for them, they found an offside. Um, Rob, see with this one now, and a lot of people from the opposing side will turn around and say, oh, I were, we're saying that the SFA and Willie Collum are cheats as a conspiracy against Rangers. See, at the end of the day, for me, it's, it's nothing to do with that, right? It's inept officiating and it's inept officials basically trying to cover up their inept officiating as well. You know, whether it's a, an offside or not. And by the way, do we actually know for 100% if it is an offside? Because if you look back at the angle that's been given, we don't know. But we'll just say that it is offside, right? Because that makes things a lot easier. Nobody's bothered from Rangers about the fact that a penalty wasn't awarded. It's not about that. For me, and for I think everyone involved with Rangers, it's about the process. It's about how can we make things better for referees. And at the end of the day, in your work, if you make a mistake, right, and a big mistake at that, because that is a massive mistake in a massive game, then you would receive some sort of sanction, some sort of punishment. Um Further on to that, if you then tried to cover up that mistake, which in my opinion is quite clear which tried to happen here, you would 100% be sacked for your job, right? So, Rob, why is it that it seems to be in any other walk of life you can, you know, do things, make mistakes and all that and you'll be reprimanded, but at the SFA and Scottish referees, it's all right, we'll stick up for you, you can get on with your job at the next game. I think I think it's about standards, to be honest, Craig. And I think part of the problem up here is, regardless of how good VAR is from from the game's perspective or how good it could be, it's still used by the same inept officials. And until we actually have a professional set of officials that are working in our game, we're always going to be left with things like this happening. I think there's two points that you made that that are still worth talking about. I think the whole furore over this situation hasn't been about the decision. It's been the process to get to that decision. And as soon as that casts doubt over any form of transparency and honesty, you're going to have people pointing to the decision to say, well, actually, is that is is there more to that decision than just being inept and, 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 and not capable of doing your job? You know, the fact that halfway into the second half, we had the, the offside image popping up as, as a, a, an explanation for the decision being given then after the game... It wasn't. It was cleared up that it was because the, the the VAR decided that there was no clear and obvious error. You know, all of those things just add to add to the confusion that we've got as fans. You know, the one thing that we talk about in our game up here is transparency. You know, and we've seen it happen in England. They've released audio. They've demoted officials. There have been punishments for not doing your job well and not doing it to a standard that is of the level required in the Premier League in England. So why is it any different here in Scotland? You know, we're trying to build our game up. We're trying to make it a better product. We can only do that if 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 we're holding everybody to account. You know, it's the same. It's the same as us as as fans. You know, we hold our manager and our team to account, and if they're not getting results in the pitch, then we want to see change. You know, equally, if a referee uh, or a, a a VAR a linesman are continually making mistakes, which I think we can all point to probably. A number of examples across the whole Scottish game that have been made recently. Um, you know, the Hearts game the same weekend as us was a terrible decision. 
it, it, it does point to at what point do we want do we want better for the game? And I think that's the thing that really frustrates me at the moment. Yeah, you know, we can argue about the offside because of the because of the images. We can argue that around why it was, and and I don't know how people can say it, it wouldn't have changed the game because if the handball's given, Johnson's given a second yellow, and he's off the pitch, and and it's a completely and utterly different game at that point. But I think it's until we take the game seriously up here, we're always going to have this this issue. And you can't have part time refs if you want to sell a premium product. At some point, we're going to have to make the decision and and push them to become professionals. And that is going to be the only the only way that they're going to improve and the only way they're going to help add value to the game. The ineptitude that Rob speaks about there is absolutely spot on. I said as, as soon as VAR was introduced to Scottish football. It wasn't the fact that you know we we had VAR and we were you know in amongst the big boys. You then have to take into account that the same people who are making mistakes before VAR were now in charge of VAR. It's you know it's a bit like somebody who can't parallel park and you give them a Formula One car, believing that there will not be a way to parallel park in a Formula One car when it can park in a normal car. They've taken, you know, the top of the range Tesla and turned it into a milk float. And and that is that's what they've done with, with, with VAR. You you're still looking at the same officials who could not get it right when they were on the pitch. What makes you think they're actually going to get it right watching it twenty seven times on a replay? And the, the other point to that as well, Stuart, is you know, I think the frustration is that We've now had the statement coming out from the referees' association about questioning, questioning the uh, integrity of officials. We're not the only club that have raised concerns over decision making. The SFA did it in the Spain game when there was a goal chopped off and not given. So it, it just it just seems like there's there's one there's always this one rule for one club in Scotland and one rule for everybody else, and that doesn't help the narrative either because it naturally feeds. It naturally feeds the, the the cynicism that we've got in the Scottish game as Rangers fans that you know everything's everything's okay until it's a problem with Rangers and then we just want to you know brush it under the carpet. So it, it's just it's just frustrating. I think the whole episode. I I mean in terms of um, the sort of statement was there that you mentioned, Rob. I think if we we came out and um, put under fire the ineptitude of the officials at an AGM, I don't think the SFA would have said anything to us to be quite frank because. It seems to be all right for some clubs to turn around and their actual owners to make statements at their actual annual general meeting with shareholders is fine, but um, Rangers doing it um, yeah. in, a, in a public domain isn't fine. The thing for me, sure, that got me chuckling as a lot of things have been this episode, to be quite honest, is like when the SFA turned around and made their statement and it's like the first line was basically, yeah, Willie Collum seen that there was no clear and obvious error. So it's as if they're kind of their sort of gotcha or their um, retort to this is basically saying, well, Willie Collum thought it wasn't a penalty. I mean, if Willie Collum is thinking that that isn't a penalty, when literally the whole world, 99.9% of people think that's a penalty. Neil Lennon thinks it's a penalty. James McFadden thinks it's a penalty. Everybody thinks it's a penalty. I don't really think that's the kind of the comeback that would make me confident as a supporter if a referee like Willie Collum, you know, is turning around saying that that's not a penalty because we're no... Let's be honest here, the offside is irrelevant. The fact that Willie Collum, for a start, thinks that that isn't a penalty, if that doesn't call you know, your professionalism into question for a start, then what will? 
Uh, listen, I don't think a couple of years back when Willie Collum did a Champions League game in Spain and was considered the worst referee that Spanish football had ever seen, I don't think there's any coincidence in, in that sort of observation and what we now end up with in Scottish football. I mean, he is, he always believes that he is a law or a god unto himself at times. And, you know, uh, you you look at the, the the footage. What part of that don't you believe that to be handball and therefore a penalty? It, it, it is basic. You cannot have it any clearer. And in, in fact, you're you're getting the the best view possible of an incident. Yet you're deciding in in your own head only that that is not a penalty. So you know, listen. I can I, I completely get the anger and upset um, amongst Ranger fans. I have to say, one or two have sounded distinctly like those they have pointed the finger at over the years about paranoia and the likes uh, in the last the last week or so, um, which is never a good place to be. But uh, again, where Rangers um, and where Rangers took this argument. What were they expecting? Were they expecting the SFA or the SPFL to turn around and say, yeah, it's been a mistake, let's have a replay? It's never happened in the past. Are they expecting them to make an apology? No, because you've gone after them. I mean, I think the whole tactics of how Rangers have approached this has been wrong from start to finish. Let's understand, these officials are not very good. So highlight that. Highlight that to everyone. Highlight that to the broadcasters throughout the country. Highlight that to UEFA. Highlight that to FIFA. Make it that these people can't go anywhere and referee anywhere else because they are completely inept. And let's see if anybody sits up and takes notice then about the negativity that's going around about Scottish um, Scottish officials. I mean, they don't, they don't get to World Cup World Cups anyway, a bit like the football team, simply because they're not very good. But the fact of the matter is that in, if you pointed out to as many people as possible, somebody somewhere on high might take notice of this and actually back you up rather than picking a fight that other people have lost in the past I, I, again, I go back to what I said at the start. What did Rangers expect? The SFA to basically say we've got it wrong. Let's have it, let few play the match. That is never going to happen. So there are way of playing this, and I think Rangers played it wrong. No, I agree. I think um, that that was the next point I was going to come on to. Stuart, it's about how I read your notes. That's why. I read <laughs> notes. Well, that's good that somebody did anyway. So I'll take that as a positive. But. Um, I just think, I said it in the group chat that we were on in a few days ago, I just felt that we were maybe being a wee bit too, not so much too aggressive, but we were, like, you've used the right words there, Stuart, picking a fight. I think the bit that just annoys me is the requesting that Willie Collum Disney ref Rangers games anymore. Yeah. Can you hear that? Just like, what, what are you doing? That's, it's amateur hour, I'm afraid, because at the end of the day, Rangers saying that, um, in an earlier part of their statement that they want transparency and what's best for the whole of Scottish football. But then later on in that statement, they turn in and say, I but we don't want this referee to referee all games. It's not going to work. And no football association in the world is going to grant that, never mind the bleeding SFA. But for me, if you're Rangers, the first thing people say is, oh, clubs aren't interested in, you know, forming alliances for Rangers because nobody likes Rangers. Okay, I get that. But at the end of the day, Rangers can still do their best to try and do that. 
if I was Rangers, I would be looking at Hearts for now. I'd be having discussions with Hearts saying, look, look at the decisions that have been going against you. There's an ally straight away. And then look at other teams throughout the season where big value decisions have went against them. Sympathise with them. Try and come to a consensus together about how we can improve that, how we can improve the referees, how we can improve the officiating. And then maybe you'll get clubs that will start to support you. For me, Rangers have been too aggressive in their approach in terms of, and, and selfish as well, I think. I, I think if they were going to request anything that Willie Collins shouldn't they do, for me it should be for him to either be suspended or to not referee any team in Scotland. Because you can't have it that he's just no refereeing Rangers games because, like I say, Rob, that just makes it look as if you'll just want what's best for you rather than the, the rest of Scottish football. No, absolutely. I do, I do agree with that. I think that was the one, I think that was the bit where they kind of lost it um, by requesting that, that Colum didn't take any more of our games. I think had it been the case of, you know, going through a process, understanding if there was any fault in the decision-making process, and then the consequence of that is that, he, that there is a demotion or a suspension from football at that point, not singling out our games, then you probably would have got more people supporting that. Um, but you're right, you know, I think if you had, had you take that tack, you see what's coming out from Hearts around the fact that that yellow card's been rescinded. Um, you know, I think there would have been maybe a, a, a supporter there for us. I think the other point that I just want to make on this, I think, before we move on, is that if there is nothing to hide from the SFA on their side, why are they not releasing the audio like they do in England? I think, you know, I saw something on Twitter and I don't know if this this is, is something that can be verified, but allegedly, you know, there are decisions that get sent out to the referees in, in, in the way of learning as they go every week. And this is the only week that those recordings haven't been sent out. Now, if that is the case, that points to a bigger problem that there obviously is something to hide that they don't want people to hear. And that further fuels the paranoia about, well, what is it? You know, there's one simple way they can clear it up. Let's hear the decision-making process. Let's understand how that was arrived at, like they do down in England, so that we can, we as fans can get our heads around it as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but because um, it's the SFA, but sure that... The thing as well with her statement, it was um, when they mentioned the, the offside as well and um, they said in the recording no offside was mentioned but the referee would have been thinking about offside. So it's almost as if the SFA have read what Lee Collins meant in the sense that, oh, I, he never actually said anything about offside but he was thinking listen, about it. Don't worry, guys. Listen, historically, the SFA have... They've always closed ranks, circled the wagons as soon as they've come under any kind of pressure. The SFA have seen and heard things that nobody else has ever seen or heard. I mean, they're on a par with Doris Stokes uh, sometimes, in ter- you know, in, in, in terms of what they perceive as um, what's been going on. You know, it was like the famous incident when Graham Soonis was seen in the tunnel. From where the SFA official was in that, you couldn't actually see him, so therefore they had to go off television evidence at a time when they didn't take television evidence so there's always anomalies and and it's it's not the the mistakes that that, that are hard to take it's the the downright you know from what a better description lies that are then told and excuses that are then made to almost justify the error in the first place if you came up and you held your hands up and said, we made a mistake, we're really sorry, we'll try, try to you know, eradicate that from all the decision-making process, you might say, yeah, I okay, 
But we start dreaming up offside decisions that you think Willie Collin would have noticed when, to be honest, he was probably sitting there watching the golf or something. You know, it's it's you you're 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 then um, you know you're you're then into the realms of fantasy rather than reality. I mean, I think as well that the the you know the union condemning the question, I condemned the 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 I questioned the referee's integrity. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're actually if you if you say that you are dubious about the integrity of referees, you are assuming they know what they're doing in the first place. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I think I think most of us actually know that half the time this is just one big guessing game with them, and this incident above all else has has shown that and has proved that. So. You know, I think there was a time and a place for Rangers to say this isn't right, but you dust yourself down and get on with the next game and, you know, hope that it doesn't affect you or affect you again, um, you know, next time. This running around looking for, you know, teams to support you. If if the, the Hearts, you know, any other clubs out there had had a decision against them and Rangers had stepped forward and said, actually, we don't think this is right, then maybe yeah, but all of a sudden, if it's you, why does anybody? Why why would anybody else join you in the fight if you couldn't join them in the first place? I think that the the, the clubs have to have a, a you know a general consensus that the the standard of officiating isn't good isn't good enough. But if you then do that, where do you then turn to? Do the referees go and strike again and say, well, until you actually like us, we're not actually going to officiate. And you start bringing in referees from Gibraltar, Cyprus, Portugal, Israel, God knows where. Um, it's, a, it's a dangerous road to go down, I would say. But I think you have to point the finger um, and say, listen, this time you got it wrong. At least have at least been man enough to admit it. I will. I can't see them doing that anytime soon. But um, we'll finish um, up on that um, situation anyway. So all the Celtic fans that are tuning in just to hear us on that part, that's your cue that you can now leave because we're actually going to talk about Rangers now. Uh, Rob, this is obviously the, meant to be the mid-season review. Um, it's been a weird season. Um, you know, I, I put down first quarter, second quarter, so different, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, I've got the new manager, but I can't help but see when I keep thinking back to how we were all feeling in the summer about Michael Beale and the new signings and stuff like that. My God, I think we need to admit we all, we've all had a howl there, haven't we? Absolutely, mate. I mean, I remember, I think it was the it was the before we even started the season, saying that I thought Lammers was going to be a great player for us. By God, how wrong did that one? How wrong did I call that one? Um, but no, I think I think it has it's it has been so weird, you know. I think and. And ultimately, I think it. I think it demonstrates what brings to a club. You know, I think if you look at if you look at Bill, you know, he was a good coach, but I think the whole the whole part of the the game that he missed was that man management piece, and you can quite clearly see that in Clement the way that he deals with the players, even when he's bringing them off, there's a word for them, he, he, he passes on instruction. Um, and it's hard to believe that the the records are so different under both managers when it's actually the same group of players that they're both managing. In fact, I would say that Clement's got less choice with what he's had to play and, and he's still managed to pull 
you know, a much better record than than Bill did the the, the first half of the season. Um, so I think it's it, it's it, it does just demonstrate what having a, a a kind of clear plan that the players can understand with simple instructions that are effective on the pitch can have can you know compare that to what we had under Bill, which was no style. I think players probably didn't really understand the instruction and, and it showed in the performances in the pitch. Um so I think it I think it will be I think it will be interesting moving forward, especially as we begin to talk through some of the potential targets. But I think we should be optimistic for the second half of the season. I'm gonna I'm not gonna use excited uh, uh, but I think quietly optimistic, I think, for the second half of the season because he's demonstrated what he can do with a threadbare squad, you know, and players like Dujon Sterling moving into the middle of the pitch, making a massive impact in there. You know, what other little nuggets can he pull from players in the second half, especially with some of the quality that hopefully he can bring in? Because that's the one thing we'd be missing. You know, let's face it, none of the signings that we really brought in apart from Butland at the start of the year, um, and now Dujon Sterling a little bit, have shown quality um, in Seema. But, you know, Dessers, Lammers, a lot of money spent on players who we thought were going to take us to the next level that probably actually set us back a little bit now because we're not going to be able to get rid of them with the wages and fees that we've paid. Ah, well, you never know. Michael Beale might be watching in Sunderland thinking, oh, well, if uh, the Sunderland... Look, the Sunderland owners are a billionaire for Mars, aren't they? So, I mean, if Rangers can afford seven and a half million for Lammers and Nessers, I, I don't see any reason as to why Sunderland can't. Stuart, um, Rob mentioned that point about being sort of quietly optimistic and I think that's how most Rangers fans are and I think you need to compare it to the last two appointments under Gio there was a real sort of positive attitude around the club obviously we just came off in the league and he started off really well and then after the new year it kind of went downhill obviously out with Europe Bill, you know he, he took on a pretty um, low in confidence group of players but he did get a, a good few decent results at the start it was just the, the big games that let Bill down but under Clement there is a difference where he has got tangible results in terms of you know he's, he's got rid of that Hamden hoodoo me and Alec Anderson spoke about it before the Hearts game and I was kind of like hands in my mouth about the Hearts game thinking I've done really well so far but your record at Hamden's atrocious and we absolutely squished that game. Even the Aberdeen game in the League Cup final, it was a late goal, but we were pretty comfortable. There's only one team that was going to win that game. So he's managed to do that. He's managed to qualify from the European group in top place, which we've never managed to do before. Um, well, sorry, we did do it a few years ago, um, but we've not done it in a couple of years. Um, but from the point of where, where we lost in Cyprus against Limassol, he's went away to bet and won. Okay, we lost the old firm game, but with come on, there's actually um, actually tangible sort of results there that you can look and say, right, he's actually making stuff happen. Whereas we built it was kind of like we're just getting by against like your Coman, like Singer St. Johnson and stuff like that. But I think surely this manager's he's a real deal in my opinion. No, I think uh anybody who watched the FA Cup tie between Sunderland and Newcastle would have um have seen that performance. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, before, <laughs> um, it was almost like a, you know, Bill a Bill side returning to type for that game, uh, giving away an own goal, 
um, giving away possession and conceding a goal then giving away a penalty I mean and I, I must admit I did have a, a chuckle to myself and somebody actually on uh, social media said to me you know we have to move on and forget um, the, you know forget Bill and move on yeah you do up until you look at the residue that he left behind namely some of his signings and it's not as easy to move on when you think to yourself that was good money spent there on on players who have come nowhere near the standard that you would expect of a Rangers player of any generation let me say rather than than currently he was whoever recruited these players uh, one of my old bosses used to shout for a service revolver because it meant he was going to basically blow somebody's brains out because of something that had happened. And I think on this occasion, I would be doing the same. Um, there are players there you will never get anywhere, anything like the money you spent on them and get that back. I think two things in terms of uh, Clement. One, you can bring in your own players and believe that they will do a job for you as you've identified them and they probably will play for you. However, if you rec if you find yourself, rather than recruiting players, if you find yourself having to go with the players that are already there, I think there's a bit of a fear factor because this guy doesn't owe you anything, nothing at all, and therefore you've got to prove yourself. And I think there's one or two players, maybe one or two more experienced players, I would say probably Lundstrom, out of everybody has actually taken note that this new guy might need business and he might not be there unless he turns in some performances. Hence the reason why I think his performance level has gone up sizably. Um, not because uh, Michael Beale has gone, but because somebody else who's new is now pulling the strings and, and trying to get a tune out these guys. And, you know, I do hope he manages to recruit one or two players that will do Rangers a turn short term first and foremost but again I think it will take a week well before he stamps his, his mark on this side about getting players that are his uh, and solely his um, again it could take a while given some of the players that are floating about in decent contracts why would you ever want to leave but um, I, I think quietly optimistic would be a good description that I heard them are on there uh, in terms of how Rangers go forward or progress just on that point you made there, Stuart, about Lundstrom. Question back to you guys. Do you think that comes from the, the simplicity of the message that he's receiving now for the manager? The reason that he, he understands his role probably on the pitch a bit better and, and he's got a clear he's got a clear role within that team, whereas I think all of them probably struggled a little bit under Beal for that. Yeah. I would say I, I, sorry, sorry, I, I would say I would say in two counts there, you're probably right. One, that Lundstrom understands maybe the message he's getting, but he also understands he's long enough in the tooth to know what happens when a new manager comes in. Mm. And if a new manager needs to make space or has to get rid of players to come up with finances, then they're usually pretty ruthless. So, sorry to cut across to you there, Craig. So, at both points, I reckon you're actually, actually you know, right. I think Lundstrom's old enough and senior enough to identify this because he's probably seen it before or elsewhere. I, what I was going to say on Lundstrom was, okay, we can talk about maybe the instructions are clear enough for the manager, but for me it would be, why, why is it this now the third time that he's done it where a new manager's came in, he's up to his performance levels, and under two of the three previous managers, they've dipped. You know, if you look at when Gio came in, 
Um, obviously, it was pivotal in that run to Seville. And then the second season under Gio, it completely dropped. So you can't tell me that Gio's instructions in 21-22 were you know, decisive, strong and clear. And in 22-23, they weren't there because I, I don't really think that that can happen to a manager. Um, then when Bill comes in, he has an upturn of form and he's okay for a couple of months. Um, and then it dips again. So what was Michael Bill being clear in his instructions, you know, November, December 2022? And then when it got to like February, March, when the big games are coming and we see no being clear in his instructions, that's what I don't understand about Lunchman. That's the thing that, that worries me. And I mentioned it in Twitter a few days ago where, you know, there is rumours about him signing a new deal. And I think realistically, Lundstrom probably will sign a new contract. The manager seems to like him. He talks about him being a leader. But in terms of my opinion on it, um, I'm still unsure. And for me, that's why I would wait, because I think the the thing that worries me about Lundstrom is, OK, he's been great for a couple of months, but, you know, what's going to happen in the next month or two when, is he going to go back to what he was like under Gio and Bill after those initial two months of being in gone where he's been good? I would give him the benefit of the doubt, actually, because if you can remember under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, Rangers played played pretty well. They reached a European fair and won the Scottish Cup. What happened when Gio left? Um, your thoughts are about his horseshoe. Can do you no know, round one side, round the back, round the down the other side. You look at Bill. Bill, yeah, got a performance at the, the the team. He left with nobody understanding what the system Rangers were playing. Absolutely not a clue. So I would give Lundstrom actually the benefit of the doubt. Whereas, you know, if, if, if a manager can change or two managers can change as to then leaving the club and the fans questioning what they were actually doing at the time, what must that like be like as a player if you're in the dressing room? First of all, not sure whether you're going to be a starter. And secondly, once you do go on the pitch, what you're going to be asked to do. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I do, I, I do hope it works out for Lundstrom, but because we know, we know what he's like when he's on on top form, but um, we'll, we'll definitely see what the next few months entails for him. Rob, um, coming on to the January transfer window, um, it's a shame Dougie isn't he? He'll be his yellow tie, isn't it? He would be absolutely <laughs> loving this. How are you doing, Dougie? It's a shout-out for you, mate. Um, we've been linked with a few players. We're not and your yellow tie. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. He, he loves the yellow ties. Um, he's a jersey net Jim White, isn't he? What a guy. Um, but we'll mention a few targets that we're linked with. I think, first of all, we need to talk about the areas where we need to improve. I think, pretty obvious, we need a striker, an Arnold striker. Um, we've seen Fabio Silva, actually. I might start on that first, Rob. Um, he obviously came on against Kelly. I'm not going to be one of these ones that said, oh, he came on against Kelly for the last 20 minutes, so he looks like he's a good player. He's got this and that and that thing. He played 20 minutes against Kelly. He done whatever, you know, I'm not... He can't tell if he's going to be good or bad based on that. It is a positive though that he did play because... You know, it gets him in playing with the team. He gets to experience Ibrox and stuff like that. But from that 20-minute cameo and his career up to date, do you see that being a positive signing for the rest of the season? I think it will be. Again, for us, it's it's it's, it's one that makes sense. You know, we're going to lose Seema. Um, You know, so we need somebody that potentially is going to play on the... Uh, that, that's capable of filling in for him when he goes. And I think from... From what I read about him, um, certainly in the spell at PSV, he was playing more on the left um, when he when he did get appearances there. Um, yeah, you know it's far too early to judge him. You know I think that the one thing that I would say is that I trust the I trust the manager 
Um, and ultimately, I think it was both him um, and the new um, director of football that, that made the play for him. Um, so they obviously identified him so that they could get him. You know, he, he had him at PSV. So I think that they know what they're getting. Um, and they made a big player, making sure that he was here well ahead of that trip to um, Spain for the for the, the warm weather training camp. Um, it's an interesting one. You know, you're not going to you're not going to pay forty odd million quid for a player thirty five whatever it is, um, and and not have some talent there. I think it comes back to it comes back to everything where, you know, these players have maybe lost their lost their way a little bit, and it's up to the manager to try and unlock that for them. Um, it's going to be an interesting one, I think. So I think that again, is he going to score an absolute barrel load of goals? Probably not, but I think he'll be there to to help create. For other players, hopefully, a big uh, a big striker for Hearts that might sign. <laughs> we'll come on to that one later. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> no, we'll much later. Maybe maybe <laughs> <about> Wednesday. <laughs> Stuart, um, one transfer that's been a rumor that's been doing the rounds recently is about Yelmaz um, possibly on his way to Hellas Verona and Italy. Now, weirdly, um, a certain Josh Doig plays for them as well, and a lot of Rangers fans have put two and two together and said. Well, it would be pretty decent if you could just get a swap deal done, Yilmaz for Doig. I personally think that would be a pretty good move. Um, Yilmaz, he's been one of the ones where he has looked good at times, but other times he's been pretty inconsistent. He has been great the last couple of games in fairness to him, but he's probably due a, a couple of bad games as well, and that's just the type of player he is. I think, unfortunately, what we him, it's his height that probably lets him down in terms of playing in Scotland. Um, you see him being targeted a few times. That big heart striker that we'll talk about later peeled off him um, last one for Ibrox as well. He scored a cracking header. So I think the Yilmaz, for me, if we can get anywhere near our money back on him, we've done pretty well. But if we can somehow manage to get a deal where we're swapping him for Josh Doig, a guy who has done okay in Italy, but most importantly for me, he's been there, done it in Scotland by Hibs. Um, he's young as well. You know, he's got a lot of potential. He's stronger. He's taller. By all accounts, more athletic as well. And I, I just think an all-round better player. So, is that a deal that maybe intrigues you a wee bit? Yeah, I, I mean, listen, we're at a stage just now. We are a handful of days into January. Um, I, I would imagine that a lot of the kind of wheeling and dealing is well underway in terms of who Rangers might recruit. It might be a case, so it's who they might be able to recruit out of who's left. Because I imagine that Rangers might be quite far down the food chain on one or two of these moves, simply because of, one, where they're at. Um, Location-wise, you know, Scotland isn't the, isn't the draw it was 30 years ago when English clubs didn't have European football and Rangers were spending money hand over fist. Those days are long gone. Um, so it might be that players will look at other options elsewhere before choosing Rangers. I think this is a big test of two things. One, who Rangers have identified. And secondly, how convincing the manager is. I think it's a player put in front of them to actually talk to these guys. Just going back to uh, Fabio Silva and you know, 40 million quid and he hasn't scored any goals and people are wondering what he's doing and all the rest of it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loath to say it, but before anybody sort of 
writes the guy off or thinks he's just here to make the money. I, I will remember a certain player who was finding his feet with Fiorentina again after a disastrous move to Bayern Munich. And within a handful of games, in fact, even a handful of games, some some of us were lucky enough to see him pre-season training out in Choco. Um, and I will, will remember a certain Ali McCoy saying, if he doesn't get 15 penalties for us this season, I'll be disappointed because basically right the way he ran with the ball at his feet, if he, if he missed a tackle by half an inch, he was getting a penalty. And that guy was Brian Loudrop. You know, I, I think there, there are, you know, historically, there are so many players out there who have made a move for big, big money and it just has not suited them. It has just, you know, they could be the, one of the greatest talents of their generation and they go to the wrong club and they just they just disappear. And, you know, we don't have enough time for me to start rhyming off a whole bunch of names, but I think people out there will probably know um, themselves, certain players. So let's see how it goes. If the guy... If, if, if a guy plays up to his £35 million price tag, then Rangers might have won a watch already. Uh, just a quick one on the Doig stuff as well. The other thing that that's a good one is that um, I think he satisfies the homegrown rule in the, the the squad for the Europa League as well. So it means that we can add him without having to take anybody out. So it would be sensible you know, to have a Scottish player join <laughs> so that we don't need to remove anybody from that squad given how uh, limited it was. No, definitely. And Stuart, you're brilliant with the segues, by the way, because you mentioned winning a watch, but now we're going to go into a message from one of our sponsors where you can win prizes, and that's football prizes. They specialise in football competitions and match draws, and the latest Rangers prize is a signed match issued James Tavenier shirt from the recent League Cup final against Aberdeen at Hamden, and you can also win some Zingaz at Memorabilia. Um, as well. Each ticket costs £3.95 and there's a maximum of 299 entries. For details on how to enter, you can visit our Twitter over at Jersnet Online or you can visit footballprizes.co.uk That's footballprizes.co.uk and you can enter those competitions there. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be bad. I might actually enter a couple of them myself to be honest. Right, we touched on it earlier. Rob, that striker for the hearts that everybody's um, talking about, Kenneth Valgas. Um, is he somebody that you would like to see at Rangers this, uh, this January? Absolutely. What a name as well. <laughs> oh, obviously, obviously, we're talking about um, Warren Shankland. I mean, oh, I know. I thought it was Donald Ford. <laughs> oh, gee. Um, Alan Forrest, maybe. Well, uh, <laughs> um, Presswick isn't the worst place in the world. Put it that way. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, Aye, Rob, I mean, I'll just be pretty upfront about this. I think it's the most obvious signing that Rangers could make in probably the last, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. If that's every, you know, metric that you want to have, he's, you know, coming into his prime, he's a Rangers fan, he scores goals for fun in the Scottish League, he's Scottish, so you mentioned the homegrown quote earlier. Um, for me, it's obvious and... I'd just be saying to the Rangers board, just try and get this deal done, you know, within reason, obviously, we shouldn't be overpaying for them, but for me, it's it's just an no-brainer, mate. So, same here, mate, I mean, I've, I've gone backwards and forwards on this one for a while, and I think for, for the right price, it is, it is an absolute no-brainer. You know, I think the, the fact that he'll, he'll get goals, you know, again, watching him when Hearts play doesn't, he peeled off 
to go and target uh, Yilmaz specifically because of the height difference and he, and he got his goal there. That that demonstrates that he's got a clever football mind as well, you know, because he's looking he's looking for the areas that he can exploit to to get that goal. Before before the start of the season, I wouldn't have had him on the radar. But the more you see him, I think this year he's been he's been brilliant for Hearts, and you know, I think having having somebody strong that can lead the line, that can get you goals, isn't he scared to take a shot? Uh, would certainly add value to the squad, and 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 we need strikers, you know. I think. The, the only thing that it doesn't satisfy for me is is the the whole kind of player trade model, but ultimately we want to win the league this year. And there's sometimes you've got to sign a player that maybe is a bit older that isn't going to offer much sell on value because of the because of the the the, the attributes that they bring to the team. And I think you know certainly goals in the second half of the season is going to be what we need because if you look at the job that Clement's done when he's come in, you know the amount of goals that we've conceded. In the games that he's played has been phenomenal. So he's really got that backline drilled pretty well, and that helps when you've got a good keeper like Butland. But you know, for us, it's it's now putting some of these teams to the sword that we maybe haven't um, because of the chances that we've created. You know, we've created lots of chances in games. We just need somebody to finish them. And I think if you get a really instinctful striker like him, then it could work. My only concern is that there's obviously not a lot of teams that do the low block against Hearts, so there's a lot more space for him to exploit. Is he going to be able to do that in a Rangers jersey? But I think it's somebody we've, that we should be looking at, definitely. Mm-hmm. Stuart, what's your thoughts on Shantland? Is he a different player from he was when he was available two years ago? Um, I'd say no. he's proven himself I mean, No, he's not. If you actually had watched the guy, he was scoring goals. All of a sudden, he scored a couple of goals for Scotland. All of a sudden, he scored goals for Harps in supposed big games that they play. And next thing, he's the flavour of the month. Rangers have to sign him. I mean, it, it, this goes back to the whole thing about recruitment. It was, you know, I think uh, there's a great many Scottish players that were slushing around in the SPFL who would have done Rangers a turn. If they'd added a, an O to the, or an A to the end of their name um, by Deedpole, they might have sounded more continental and therefore, you know, Shanklandino or something like that might have, it might have got a move a couple of years back. So I, I gave you what you're saying. He, he, he does look a player who could do Rangers a turn short term. The whole thing about the this, you know, resale value and all the rest of it, there comes a point in time where actually you might need to sign somebody who does a specific job for you for a short period of time to win you something that puts you in a position where you might actually have money to spend going forward on another player. So, listen, you know, I, I think if Rangers want them, now's the time to go and go and get them. Um, if the other thing is, just go in with a definitive bid. Never mind this. Well, we'll give you, um, we'll take the player and we'll pay it up installments. And at the end of it, you'll get two goldfish and a balloon as well. If you really want it, put a, a message of intent there, not just for Scottish football, but for the Rangers fans as well, saying that they mean business by going and getting this guy and get the deal done. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I mean, Rob, in, in terms of like Rangers putting in a bid, for me, like this is the priority position now. Fabio Silva, I think, will do a turn, but I don't think he's going to be the guy to get you maybe 
15, 20 goals between now and the end of the season. For me, we need that striker in, and we need him in now. We want him in for that training camp in Spain. We want him in mostly for that first game in hand against Hibs. Because, you know, we've been talking about, oh, we've got two games in hand, that's something that's fine. So it's not really eight points. That could all change in our first game against Hibs at Easter Road. We know how tough that game's going to be. I tell you something, it would be quite ironic and quite something if Lauren Shanklin's first game for Rangers was against Hibs at Easter Road that they done the damage against them. Um, but for me, it's a case of trying to get them in as soon as possible. And right, people are talking about between three and five million pounds. I, I do genuinely think three million is a fair offer. I think if Rangers go in, as Stuart says, with a concrete bid that's reasonable enough, um, it poses a question, not not so much to Hearts, because we know Hearts will try and hold out, but it poses a question to Shankland. And I don't think he's the type of guy that will turn around and say, oh, I'm not going to play for you or anything like that, because I, I think he's a pretty decent professional. But at the end of the day, if Rangers are put in a reasonable enough bid and, you know, that's your club, that's the team that you've supported as a boy, you want the move to Hampton, he can push that through, you know, in a professional way. Absolutely. I think you know, the other thing that we've got to be mindful of as well is Hearts are chasing Europe. You know, Hearts are no rush to yeah. sell them. So we've got to we've got to stump up enough cash that is gonna make it is gonna make it a difficult choice for them. Um and I think I think you know there, there are other things that we could do, you know, potentially players within our squad that could go over there and enhance the the team. Um but yeah, I think a striker is an absolute must that, that we need to get through the door because we can't go the second half of the season relying on Dessers. You know, Danilo, by the looks of it, is going to be a slow comeback. You know, he posted some footage, I think it was on Instagram earlier, about his knee still being stretched and stuff. So, you know, he's going to be out probably for the rest of the season. I would be surprised to see him come back. Um, so we need goals. Aye, aye. Uh, but we need we need goals, you know, and, uh, and we desperately need a striker that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna take their chances. Bid three million quid, and then say you know we'll throw in uh, Dessers as well, or throw in <laughs> um, and the Hearts will probably want another four million then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, the thing as well. I've, I've, people have said to me, "Oh, we should do a swap deal, Dessers for Shankland," and I'm like. I mean, even if even if Hearts were that stupid and gullible, I mean, you do realise that Dessels is on about like thirty grand a week or something like that. Human organ, that, human uh, organ trading is, is 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 illegal. That's the only way they <laughs> would get rid of some of these guys, you know. So, I mean, can you honestly see Hearts accepting any of these players? In any kind of swap deal, no. Can you see any of these players even knowing where where hearts are? No. <laughs> uh, and this this goes back to my you know my point earlier in the show. Rangers are stuck with these guys. You're you're going to you know you're going to have to either jellignate them out the building or pay them a fortune to go somewhere else. And and this all goes back to the previous recruitment and previous manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the other, the other one that's been mentioned um, for the striker was um, Emmanuel Dennis, the boy that used to be at Watford. Now, I, initially, I was actually quite excited to hear that until um, I saw a story about when he transferred from Watford to Nottingham Forest because seemingly a number of the Watford players were celebrating that he was leaving. Um, so I think from uh, there, there could well be some some interesting. Uh, dressing room behaviour there 
um, from from said player. So I'm not sure I'm keen on that. I don't think Clement would take a chance on a player like that unless he knew that he could get the best out of him and control that because he always talked about the squad harmony and, and, and having everybody playing as a team. But I just thought that was a really interesting article that, that uh, you know, I noticed that when he went from Watford to Forest, there was a there was a fair few of the Watford boys that were um, that were celebrating, uh, which is a shame because I always thought he looked fairly decent at Watford. Hasn't worked out from the Forest, but, you know, when a season playing off the left, I think he got um, 10, 10 goals in 33 games for him. So, not bad return in the Premiership. Aye. That's an interesting one, Dennis. I mean, I think but if, you, if you're kind of comparing him and Shatland, it's like, Dennis seems to be like that guy who, you know, he's had Premier League experience, he's went for big money before, he's lost his way a wee bit. He'll be on a fortune, by the way, and he's on loan at Turkey now. I don't think he scored this season. But he'll be on a fortune at Forest. You're talking about 60, 70 grand a week, mm. probably. Easy. So... To ask him to take a, you know, at least 50% pay cut, probably more, they come to Rangers and then, you know, you're maybe dealing with those issues and stuff like that as well. I just think it's too big a risk. At the end of the day, if, you know, you're going to spend, I don't know, between three and five million to see on Shankland, I think you're as well doing it on him. A guy who's been proven to score in Scotland, um, a guy that can do it in this league versus spending that amount of money on a guy who... Okay, we know he's got talent, and maybe if it does pay off, it can pay off big time because you might be able to sell him for a fortune. But again, the, the risk is there. And the, the thing with Shankland as well, I mean, before people start thinking I'm even more crazy than already on, I think a good comparison, I'm not comparing the players, I'm just comparing the situation as Robin Van Persie going to Man United in 20, what was that, 2012, 2013? Um, that was kind of like Alec Ferguson sort of. Part and gaff for the for the Man United board because Fergie identified Van Persie, who was about twenty eight at the time. He was by far the best striker in the Premier League. He said, "Go and get me that guy." They got Van Persie, and Van Persie won Man United the Premiership title last year. The last uh, that year, the last one that they won. So, I think in terms of the situation, not the players' talent, obviously, um, there is comparisons there. But not just striker. We need to we need to strengthen a few areas. Another area. Um, as the right wing Rob have been linked with um, Manhoef I think his name is he's a young Dutch um, right winger you know I, I'm not going to lie I don't know much about him um, you see the, the YouTube videos and, and this that and the next thing but for me I think that is a position that we need to strengthen um, I look at Ross McCausland who I think has been absolutely fantastic for us um, recently I'd like someone to come in and basically be the first team right winger right midfielder and Ross McCausland McCausland can really challenge them but I think for me that's another position that we need, um, really need to strengthen in this window if we can De Definitely, I mean I think McCausland's done brilliant um, since he's come in and I think you're always going to get criticised as a young player when you drop off um, but that's what young players do, you know they're still learning the game, they're going to make mistakes um, I think as a fan base we need to be a little bit more um, receptive of that and not actually get on his back when he doesn't you know, play a 10 out of 10 or a, a 9 out of 10 every single game, he is going to have ups and downs because that's the nature of a young guy trying to make it in football. Um, and and the thing that I always say is that as long as he learns for those mistakes, that's good. If he keeps making the same mistakes, then we're going to have an issue. Um, you're right, I don't really know a lot about Manhoff, but I, I listened to, um, I think it was a, um, Rangers Review earlier, um, who did a, an interview with a Vitesse fan. Um, and, and actually he sounds like quite a promising player 
Um, you know, from from their point of view, I think they would be gutted to lose him. I think their their owners come out or the managers who come out today to say there's no way they're going to sell him in this window because if they get rid of him, then it's you know the test think they'll be relegated without him. Um, I think the thing that that got me excited was obviously he's a Dutch under twenty one, so he's playing at a good level. You know, he's had seventy plus games for the test in the Dutch league. He scored a few goals, only fourteen. Um, you know, I think from what the from what that Vitesse fan was saying earlier, he started off as a left back and then moved up to right wing, but they think his best position is left mid. So there, there is a I think there's a flexibility there with him where, mm. you know, you could play in a number of a number of dis- different positions. But the one thing um that came across was that, you know, his big, big assets speed. Um so, you know, having space to play into um is the thing that's gonna be that's going to be useful for him. So again, comes back to in Scotland. How useful is that going to be? Um, you know, because ultimately you've not got much. You've not got much room to run into. Um, certainly, certainly with some of the low blocks that play against us. So uh, it could be an interesting one. But based on what I've what I've seen coming for the Vitesse camp, I think that might be more a summer move now. If we were still interested, so I think we're going to need to get somebody in that right wing position. Um, it's a it's an area that we've been crying out for the last three, four, five windows that we've needed somebody in. So if we can identify somebody, it'd be great to get them in. And you've also no. got to realise as well, well, why are not any winger, young, old or whatever it is, is that you're, you, you've got to provide an end product that somebody can latch onto. And and I think, you know, given who Ranger have had to aim for in, in the box, if they were to land Shanklin, He's a guy that plays within the width of the posts almost. So you know where he's going to be because he likes scoring goals. He's not going to be one of these guys that suddenly, you know, going to end up, you're going to put a cross in and you're going to find your striker actually is playing wider on the other side of the pitch than you are as a winger. Um, you know, I, I think that that part would be, they'd make it easy or easier if they had a, a, a certain style of play and a certain way of playing and I think all in all that part of it would be um it'd be easier for any, any kind of winger coming in if they actually had somebody to aim for in the middle of the pitch it was looking to score goals. No definitely I don't know what's happening with my, my camera there. I seem to have frozen so I've decided to, to shut it off so it maybe I was gonna say right. I was gonna say no Edmonds he suddenly popped up the Rangers tie on <laughs> Oh, well, we, we won't be getting into the chat about TV licenses and all that. We know Edmonds either. We know what he gets up to with that. But um, I think that's probably the best way to finish up. Just at the end, I make sure I time I time everything correctly, don't I? But um, guys, we'll be back on uh, the 19th of January to preview the Dumbarton game. Um, we don't know who's going to be on yet. We'll have um, the schedule up and we'll be able to tell you about that in advance. But um, before we pop off, all that's left to do now um, is thank my guests. Rob, thanks very much for coming on, mate. I uh, appreciate it. Good to see you and good to see you again, Stuart. Absolutely. And Stuart, thanks for coming on again. Yeah, good to see you. One animated and one not so animated now, but enjoying your Zealand, no. <laughs> no, I certainly will. And thanks very much to the viewers at home. Have a good one, guys. Bye-bye.